my women, don't forget about the dame. This is not the most the king, y'all. It's about a thing. Hey, you all, welcome back to the B is for Black episode three serving body, honey. This is your host, Savannah B. And as you guys know, the B is quite literally for black. <laughs> so for today's episode, we are going to be talking about black women and eating disorders. I don't think that's something that I personally have talked about together before. So I'm excited to kind of dive into this and see some of the findings and hear some of you guys' thoughts. And yeah, let's get this show on the road. So according to the DSM-5, which is the diagnostic model um, used to diagnose psychopathological disorders, is the, um, it's not even called eating disorders anymore, which I think is something that's important for us to know. They're actually referred to feeding and eating disorders because I think with eating disorders, the most common that we hear about, or at least for my own personal experience hearing about growing up, were anorexia nervosa, which is what people typically imagine when they imagine like somebody starving themselves, as well as bulimia nervosa, which is the disorder that is referenced when people are, are typically think of that kind of binging and purging. However, this left out quite a few feeding and eating disorders that I personally hadn't much knowledge about until I began reading about them in this course. So there's PICA, rumination disorder, and even avoidant slash restrictive food intake disorder, which are different variations. They're not um, all umbrella terms, and I don't think that people are often aware of the difference the difference in diagnoses. So that's something for us to be mindful of. And so just like all of the other fields in the psychopathological field, black women's representation is far less than. So the typical and primary demographic of eating disorder studies are white women. And so, just like with everything else, though, black women are not non-existent. There is, there is research on black women's experiences with eating disorder. However, it's certainly at a smaller sample size and smaller rate than that of their Caucasian counterparts. Now, there are so many variables that go into how and why black women are not represented in this research and data, but one of the specific kind of factors that I want to talk about and I want to address is body image of black women in the black community, okay? And if, I mean, it it's not hard to find a song talking about a black woman's body, you know, in pop pop culture. Cause you know, I love a song reference here, but it's hard to almost, it's almost hard to find an appropriate one. Okay. So, 
you know, we're gonna spin this clip and. And I just feel like, you know what, Gucci Mane hit the nail on the head. He explained it probably better than I could have explained it myself in this song. In that, this lyric, I mean, it only took me two thumb strokes on Spotify to find a song that glorified thicker, fuller women bodies. And so that is a common theme in the black community, especially for black full-figured women are highly praised and regarded. And I think that current times, especially with BBL surgeries and, you know, all types of body enhancements, everybody's getting their body done. Everybody's getting ribs taken out, getting butt implants, boob implants. All of those things are happening, but there is really a historical preference in black people for fuller figured women and it's not just about physical sexual attraction it really is stemming from being fuller figured signified wealth in that you could afford to eat and so that's kind of where the origins from my understanding that's where the origins of kind of appreciation for fuller figured women is coming from, especially in these black cultures and these black um, spaces. And so, yeah, Gucci, Gucci hit it on, it hit it on the head. And so with there being a wider spread acceptance of black women's body figures, that creates space for, more women to feel comfortable and it almost acts as a protective feature for black women from these eating disorders that women who have ethnicities and races that have more strict beauty and attraction kind of guidelines are not necessarily privy to and okay y'all so like we kind of have that that pop culture kind of understanding and an idea of it but like for, let's dive into kind of the research backing this phenomenon that i'm talking about so i read this article and it was titled disordered eating in african-american and caucasian women the role of ethnic identity and so in exploring this article, given it was just comparing these two um, races and ethnicities, and that's because initially um, African-Americans were considered the largest minority in America. You know, it was the white Caucasian population and then it was African-Americans. And so this is just this two ethnicity um, study. But within the study, there were some really, really key um, points that kind of resonated with me that I want to talk about with you guys that kind of, again, led me on some tangential thoughts and ideas and considerations. So I just want to bring those to your attention. So first and foremost, in this article, they're talking that one section of it mentions 
One protective factor in the development of eating disorders in African-American women may relate to cultural definitions of beauty as multifaceted, where beauty is more than just physical attractiveness. Beauty encompasses attitude, style, personality, presence. Beauty is more flexible from the perspective through allowing myriad forms of attractiveness, contrasting Caucasian notions of beauty, which rigidly accept few variations and minimal deviations. And so, boom, there's a lot of jargon in there. I know you're probably like, okay, well, what, what, what was that even, what was I even saying? And ultimately, this snippet is talking about how in a Black African-American culture, beauty is defined in so many different ways. So that's what I was talking about. When they were talking about specifically beauty encompassing, you know, attitude, style, personality, presence, those are things and those are features that are not directly equated beyond, you know, style with appearance, you know, personality, presence, attitude. You can... You can portray your all of those things, even your style, really, without somebody even having to see you. You know, even for me in this context of um, doing this podcast, I feel like you're able to portray. You're trying. You're, you can get that kind of vibe. You can get that feeling and that experience of kind of my style, my personality, hopefully my presence on this on the track. You know, so. I think that it's talking about how, especially in black culture, that's value. There's a lot of value there. You can be deemed attractive from those traits alone. And so I know they talk about it a lot on Twitter, but you know, I, you guys have, have you ever seen those threads where people are like, I'm medium ugly, but it, I, it's terrible. That's, you should never call it, nobody's ugly, period. But they'll be calling themselves like medium ugly, but they'll be like, I have a great personality though. And sometimes... A good personality is enough, okay? Sometimes you don't have to have every physical attribute to be considered attractive, especially in the Black community. And so, again, that is supporting through evidence in um, this kind of academic journal the same concept that we're talking about in that our Black women's standards for beauty encompass so many more things that it actually protects black women because it's encompassing of so many different things there isn't that harping on or that focus on physical body attributes and so it kind of works to protect black women against disordered eating in the way that we test disordered eating now and so that's an important thing that I want you guys to hold on to because Again, uh, the theme through the whole, all of these podcasts is that black women are underrepresented. So we're understudied. And so factors that we experience as black women are not necessarily even included in diagnostic techniques or how people test for certain disorders. And so that's something that I want you guys to hang on to because in this same article, it also talks about how I want to I want to read again. I want to read this snippet to you guys because I think that the verbiage is important and says so previous studies indicate that eat 26, which is the diagnostic exam for an eating disorder that is typically used in the field, um, attends to behaviors characteristic of anoretic pathology. So 
the pathology for anorexia and drive for thinness, particularly intense preoccupation with dieting, fear of weight gain, and desire to be thin. It is possible that Caucasian women in the present study showed higher scores on the EAT26 because anoretic behaviors and drive for thinness represent more pressing issues for Caucasian women. Okay, so boom. I added my little commentary in there along the way. But ultimately, what this snippet is saying is that the women in this specific study, the Caucasian women, were testing higher and there was a higher prevalence of eating disorders in the Caucasian population in comparison to the African-American sampled population. However, the diagnostic technique that they use, so that EAT26 test, is tailored more towards testing for eating disorders that more closely align with a diagnosis of anorexia nervosa, which as we just discussed, is a, is a condition, is a mental disorder that affects Caucasian women more frequently because of their beauty standards. And so these, this test might essentially for black women be a false negative almost in that the disordered eating may not be, or even just the attitude in eating may not be driven towards thinness. So it may be possible that African-American women are testing in the average range on this test, but because this test is not necessarily testing what it needs to be testing. So like we were talking about, even in the Gucci Mane song, he's talking about, you know, big booties, all these things that can be driving more towards binge eating disorders where there's an, a large intake or even restrictive food intake, dietary preferences and acts and attitudes that might be harmful, but because the test was created, again, using white women to study, there is a gap in applicable content for the black culture. And so, like I said, this is possibly resulting in false negatives for black women in that they're not getting the diagnosis because the diagnosis is not testing for how an eating disorder would manifest in black culture. And I think that just goes along with the theme of, of everything that we've been talking about in that because black women have been left out and not considered and even things like diagnostic techniques, there's the possibility that these low prevalence rates are not actually because of black women not being affected by these disorders, but honestly, because black women are not being tested in orders, or tested for order for these disorders in a manner that is going to identify them how they would how they would present in their within their culture in the context of which they live and experience their lives. So I believe that this study did a really, really good job of contextualizing these negatives or the lack of prevalence 
and um, of black women being diagnosed with these eating disorders. However, again, I, I had to worry about how that might be the understanding that our black culture works as a protective factor against these eating disorders, I think yet again can be taken to the extent where then people are challenging black women's perception if they are saying that they have an eating disorder or if they are experiencing disordered eating, they are going to be challenging that. It's like, there's no way, you know, you guys, that's not, it's not cool in your culture to be be super skinny. So there's no way that that's really what you are trying to do. And so that's my fear of making this kind of information readily available without fully unpacking what it means and the potential for harm in taking this information and really holding it true in every scenario. And so I think that, again, all of this stems from the need for studies with huge, huge sample populations so that we as Black women are receiving information on how these psychopathological disorders are manifesting within our community and our population and our demographic in a manner that's consistent and also easily accessible and easy to understand. Because again, I'm fortunate enough that I have access to a database that is um, a university database where I can see all types of scholarly articles for the free 99. Whereas the moment I graduate and I have to start repaying these student loans is the moment I no longer have access to these articles and this information and this content. And so the Google searches that you're typically going to see involving eating disorders are the, based on the research, which is primarily based on, again, the manifestations in or presentations in white Caucasian women. And so the importance of of making information accessible and also making cultural considerations when presenting information and how these might like look differently in different kinds of cultures because beyond black culture there are different cultures that have different expectations ex different needs and they're all to be considered and they all play a role in how disorders present. And so I think that's something that's important to be considerate of. And for Black women, again, it's important for us to be, again, mindful and aware of our eating habits, changes in eating habits. And it comes back down to we have to really ride for us. And that, again, looks like advocating for yourself and being educated about, you know, differences that you see for yourself or that you worry about for yourself. So yeah, I would love to hear you guys' thoughts, feedback on this kind of concept, eating disorders and black women. But I appreciate you guys for joining us. I'm not sure if I'll continue this podcast, perhaps I will, but that's all I've got for you.